All right, get your Bibles open. Genesis chapter 13. I got a great word for you today. Of course, you can't go wrong when you preach the scriptures. They're all good words. Well, this is a good one. I've been, I was encouraging you last week, and Andrew picked up on it for the communion message, that we don't want to get off track of our destination. Sometimes you're going to go through places in life that don't look all that pleasant. Quit looking at the circumstances and keep your eyes on where God's taking you. Sometimes you're not going to feel like continuing to walk forward. But you know what? Don't go by your feelings. Go by the truth of where God's taking you and go by the promises of God. And I shared, a, I shared an important principle with you last week. I want to kind of drill into this this week in more detail. We shared last week, what you focus upon, you will end up dwelling in. What you focus upon, you will end up dwelling in. I just have to make a parenthetical stop right here to honor Mark. Mark, you and Carrie had a wedding anniversary. But dude, you hit a home run and set the bar so high, I don't know if we can follow in your shoes. So I just got to give credit where credit's due. Way to go, man. That is just awesome. All right, forget that. I'm back, I'm back in the message now. But I just, had to, I just had to jump off. I saw that smiling face out there. Great job, great job. All right. What you dwell on, you end up dwelling in. What I want to share with you from Genesis chapter 13 is a perfect example of two different campers, all right? And there's something important in life. You have to make sure you are really watching where you set up camp. I mean, you know, you can set up camp in a terrible, terrible location. Uh, and you can be uncomfortable. You can set up a camp in a dangerous place. Um, you need to know where you're setting up camp. And so open up your Bibles, Genesis 13. You can follow along on the screen. I'm going to start reading in, in verse 1. It says, so Abram left Egypt, and he traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. I want you to see verse 2. This is the first time in the Bible it speaks of wealth. The Bible says, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. It says in verse 3, from the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai. Notice what it says here, where they had camped before. This was a camp spot that Abram is coming back to. This was the same place where Abram had built an altar. And there he worshipped the Lord again. Now, how many of you have ever been on a proverbial bunny trail, all right? You started off doing something, and before you know it, you got distracted, and then you got distracted. Sometimes, I mean, you know, like uh, social media can do that to you. Your emails can do that to you. You start off very focused, and the next thing you know, you're out there in la-la land somewhere. Um, well, Abram had a bunny trail here. If you go back to chapter 12, which uh, in verse 10, it says this, at that time of severe famine, struck the land of Canaan. Canaan was the land that God had promised Abram. It was where he was supposed to be. But how many of you know, even when you're where you're supposed to be, this is for somebody this morning, listen up. Even when you're where you're supposed to be, famine can still strike. The famine isn't the sign that you're walking in disobedience. There's famine comes for a purpose. It's to see, again, whether you're moving by convenience or fear or you're living by conviction and faith. Abram did one of these things. He goes, wow, things are drying up around here in the promised land. I think I'm going to take things into my own hands. I think I'm going to go back to Egypt because things look better there. Have any of you ever got delivered from something huge in your life? Or maybe you gave your life to the Lord and you turned your back on your old life and you started following Christ and all of a sudden famine hit and then this thought came into your mind, maybe I need to go back with those old friends. Maybe I need to go back to the bar where I can hang out with my buzz and we can, you know, we can have a few and life will get good again. 
you know, it wasn't so bad when I was strung out on heroin. Maybe I'll go back to that good lifestyle. It was so good. You know, I remember being in the parking lot one day because we had a visitor show up on my back porch uh, who was inebriated at the time. It's one of the benefits of living close to the church. And um, showed up and was pounding on our screen, and, and uh, I wasn't sure what was going on. So I put my arm around him. I said, hey, let's walk over to the church. We were in the parking lot. Uh, and uh, my dad showed up. And while we're talking to this guy, I'll never forget this in all, my, all the days I live. He's standing there talking to us, and all of a sudden he blacks out in our parking lot and falls face forward on the parking lot. Just bam! Doesn't catch himself face first on the pavement. My dad looks at me without missing a beat and he says, that's the good life that you missed. (laughs) How many of you know that'll teach you something right there? It's like that man was not living the good life. But isn't it interesting... As soon as the Lord allows a little heat to turn it up, and how many of you know the only purpose of the heat is to show you what's really in you? It's not the famine. God can feed you with a bird by a dried up creek, all right? It's not about food and water. The famine's just to show you what's in you. So what, is, what does Abram do? He goes, you know what? There's no good restaurants around here any longer, and the jobs are all drying up. You know, back in Egypt, it wasn't so bad. What are you talking about back in Egypt? Have you forgot how lousy it was living for the devil? Have you forgot how lousy it was when you're out there on your own, doing your own thing, being your own God? Are you nuts? You want to go back to that lifestyle? Well, guess what? That's exactly what Abram did. And while he's back in that lifestyle, it's interesting. He has a little bunny trail. Uh, But here's the deal. You remember he lied about his wife? He had a pagan king rebuke him. A pagan king who was more righteous than he was rebuked him. And Abram learned an important lesson back in Egypt. The lesson was simply this. Unbelief doesn't bring the blessings of God. But here's some good news for you. There's some of you here this morning, you've been on your, a little bunny trail. And you guess what? You're coming back to the same place where you once set up camp. And you know what? It's okay to do that. I found people that got mad about this or that or mad at God or whatever, and they go off and back into their, their bunny trail. And here's the sad thing. When you know like you're the prodigal son and you're eating pig food and you're nasty and, and you stink and it's like, why did I do this? There's still that voice inside of you that says, you know what? I just can't go back to where I set up camp before. It's called pride. I found people that, that left the will of God created an absolute mess, and you know, they say stuff like, I'm just using our church as an example, but this happens all over the world. You know, I'd really like to, basically, I'd really like to go back home. But, well listen, Abraham took a journey to Egypt, and guess what? It dawned on him, I need to go set up camp again, and what did he do when he set up camp? He started worshiping again. I got good news for you. God is a God who still, his love for you, his goodness to you, his faithfulness to you, his forgiveness for us. Guess what? He's waiting. He's a covenant-keeping God. And if you get off on a bunny trail, you can always come back home. And I just want to say that to everybody in here. If you ever, 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 ever go off on a bunny trail, this family welcomes you with arms wide open. You're never too late to come home and start worshiping Jesus again. That's what he did. He went, he went on a loop, and he found himself back where he started from. We've all done that. Sometimes you take one step forward and three steps back, and before long you're like, hey, deja vu. I think I've been here before. It's okay. Get back on the trail. God's waiting for you on the trail. 
I want you to see something else in the next verse here. This is verses 5 through 7. Concerning conflict. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks and sheep and goats and herds of cattle. And check it out. He didn't even have, he had not one tent. He had a bunch of tents. And look at verse 6. The land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and the herds living so close together. So a fight broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. And notice it says here, kind of parenthetically by the Holy Spirit insertion, at that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land. Now this is interesting. How many of you know that usually we have a much harder time handling prosperity than we do lack? What happens when you're experiencing lack or crisis or hardship? What happens to your prayer life? I just went and signed a note for $3.7 million this week. I'm just telling you, my prayer life is increasing. (laughs) Hallelujah. When you're going through it, you're digging in. When there's not enough, that's when you're saying, Hallelujah, Lord, you're my provider. But when you're rolling in the goodness and the blessing and the prosperity, isn't it interesting that fights break out among believers even? Because prosperity is many times harder to handle than lack. Now hear me, I am not preaching a gospel of lack. I am just warning us that in the blessing of God, we better be cautious how we deal with it. Why did the Bible say that the Perizzites and the Canaanites were checking them out? Because how many of you know... One of the biggest black eyes that happens in the church is when believers, sons and daughters of the Most High God, are fighting over kingdom stuff. Reminds me of two ladies who worked together at the same office, and uh, they were having a squabble in the office. The one lady, in fact, they were fighting like cats and dogs. And they were surrounded by parasites, people who didn't know Jesus, and they're, they're watching these two Christian ladies from Living Stones fighting and screaming and cutting up. The one lady says, you know what? I, I want the window open. I feel like I'm going to suffocate in here. The other lady said, I want the window closed or else I feel like I'm going to die of cold. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting every single day. And finally, one of the ladies who didn't know the Lord is like, man, these two ladies from Living Stones are driving me crazy. Let me offer a suggestion. She said, I got an idea for it. Why don't you keep the window closed until one of you suffocates to death? And then let's open the window so the other will die of pneumonia. And then we can finally have some peace around here. How many of you know it shouldn't come to that? But many times that's the testimony of God's people. How many of you know we got to learn to move in a spirit of faith like Abraham? Because you're going to see two different responses here to the blessing of God. Abraham said this. He said to his, to his nephew Lot, he said, the whole countryside's open to you. In other words, Abraham was the older. Abraham was the one with the promise. God gave the promise to Abraham, not to, or to Abram, not to Lot. Uh, and yet he was gracious. And you know what? There's something about spiritual maturity. When you're walking in spiritual maturity and you see yourself as a son of, or daughter of the Most High God, how many of you know you don't have a scarcity mentality? I need to say this again. You don't have a scarcity mentality. It's not like there's only so much and no more. How many of you know when you walk as a son or daughter of God, you inherit everything that belongs to your father? Now, this is radical. The Bible says it's the meek that inherit the earth. To be meek means you're strong, but your strength is submitted and yielded to God. 
Abram, Abram wasn't being a sissy. He wasn't avoiding conflict. He wasn't saying, oh, no, you know, Lot, you take whatever you want because I, I, I don't want to deal with conflict. I just want to please everybody. That wasn't Abram. Abram was saying this, look, I am the one walking in the inheritance. It's all mine. But I'm going to yield myself, and I'm going to allow you, who, who wasn't even supposed to be with him, uh, God called Abram out. He didn't tell him to bring Lot along. So Lot's along here. He's just tagging along in disobedience. But he says, basically, look at the countryside. It's all, it's all ours. What do you want? And he does something amazing. He basically says, look, if you want to go to the left, take the land on the left, take it. If you want to go to the right, take it. Now, why is he walking in such humility and brokenness? I believe it's because he learned a few lessons back in Egypt. You know, Egypt's bad, but if, if we're smart about it, we'll learn some good lessons in Egypt. Back in Egypt, he tried to figure it all out by himself. Back in Egypt, he tried to get what was his. Back in Egypt, he tried to protect his, himself and his wife. Um, but you know what? He learned the, the hard way. That's not how you do it. So here's a man that's been broken by God, and he's saying, look, take whatever you want. I'll go the other way. It's not a big deal. Now check out, I want to give you a contrast here this morning between two campers, Abraham the camper and Lot the camper. Read with me beginning with verse 10. Lot took a long look, a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. Look at verse 13. But the people of this area were extremely wicked, and they constantly sinned against the Lord. Here's what happened. I'm just going to cut, cut right to the chase. Lot took one look at the prosperity, at the green, at the incredible resources, and, and, and lust for that area filled his heart. I mean, you know, at that moment, he wasn't walking by faith. He was walking by sight. He was looking at how to make a few bucks, honestly. And I just want to say this to all of our marketplace people. You got to watch that you're not motivated by the almighty dollar and that you're led by the Holy Spirit instead. Because sometimes God will lead you places where he's wanting to bless you even greater. And sometimes he's testing your heart to see if you'll trust him and push something away. Lot was somebody who was being led by the lust of his own eyes. Look at 1 John 2.16 with me. For this world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. And look what it says next. These are not from the Father. They are from this world. I love the way the Message Bible says it. It's so real. Don't love the world's ways, it says. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Isn't that awesome? I want to clarify some things. I hope you never hear out of my mouth that somehow I'm encouraging lack or that material things are bad. You know, I just want to make it abundantly clear. I think poverty is demonic, all right? There's nothing glorious about poverty. All I'm encouraging us is, you know what? We better have faith for prosperity and blessing 
but we can't hold on to it. We cannot let the prosperity and blessing possess us. Lot got possessed by what he had. Lot got full of lust over what he could get. And, uh, and before you know it, he's, he's putting himself in a very, very bad spot. I pray that every one of you is incredibly blessed. But how many know you have to have prosperity with a sense of purpose behind it? And you have to always guard that what you have does not have you. And let me just give you another secret. You know how God makes sure that happens? He challenges you to give even when it hurts. Here's the way most people are. They want to, they want to insulate themselves from ever have, have, happening to, uh, ever having rather to trust God. In other words, if I can make enough, I can retire, I can have my investments, and then I can just bless people, everything's going to be good. Are you kidding me? You never, ever stop having to have faith in God, which means the checks he asks you to write as he blesses you are bigger than the ones he asks you to write before he blessed you. Because the principle is, the principle is you're always relying on God and he never wants to bless you to a place of self-reliance. He never wants to get you to where you've got so many ducks in a row, you never have to trust him. I'm telling you, the more he blesses, the more he asks for. It's always a heart check. Because he loves you. And here's the cool thing. If you will learn to do this, you will be a conduit for millions. But if you do this, you will lose it all. You will lose it all. I'll show you in the Word. Take a look at comparison between these two campers. I, again, I'm dry, here's the point, the big takeaway this morning. Where are you setting up camp? All right? Where are you setting up camp? Point number one, Lot chose self over other people. The Bible says in verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley. Now listen to me. If Uncle Abram is, is the big uncle with the blessing and he brought you along, and because you're hanging out with Uncle Abram, guess what? The blessing of God on his life is on your life, and you're rich too. Don't you think if this is a river running right through our church, the Jordan River, and we're going to, and it's all, this valley is full of incredible blessing, don't you think it would make sense for Lot to say, Uncle Abram, why don't you take this side of the river and the valley, and I'll take this side, and we'll both be blessed. But that's not what Lot did. He said, I'll take the valley. And he left Abram with the less desirable land. He cared about only himself. He was walking by sight and not by faith. Second point I want to drive home this morning, Lot chose finances over family. Finances over family. I have seen people, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again, don't you ever, 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 ever choose to move somewhere on the basis of money. Money is irrelevant. God's going to provide for you wherever he sends you. But I can't tell you how many people, and I'm just, I, I can only speak for our church, but this is true for every church. I'm not picking on like just living stoners, like this is only true for us. This is true for everybody. I can't tell you how many people got their life together, met Jesus, baptized in the Holy Spirit, got their marriage healed, had some kids get restored, got their own heart healed, and then all of a sudden they start feeling sassy, because I mean, you know, when you start getting healed, you start feeling good. And you're like, woohoo, yeah. And the next thing you know, they find out about a job in Timbuktu, and they're out of here. And then, you know what we hear about many, many times? Marriage blew up. Uh, kids blew up. Job didn't last. 
Uh, they're in a bad place. Now, again, the good news is you can get back to your place of obedience. But the sad thing is, because they chased a dollar, they end up getting deceived, and everything that really mattered blew up. They lost it all. They lost their family. When Abram's choosing to set up his tent facing Sodom, and the word from God about Sodom is the people there are incredibly wicked, is that where you want to raise your family? Not where I'm looking to raise my family. Is that where you want to plant your business? It's not where I'm looking to plant a business. Uh, because, again, he's choosing finances over things that really matter. I want you to hear me. He had assets, but he didn't have an altar. He had wealth, but he had no worship. He had God, but he didn't have any... Or, I'm sorry, he had gold, but he didn't have any glory, the glory of God. He had a lot of finances, but he had no faith. And he had a lot of prosperity, but he had no purpose because the difference between the two is he camped facing the next business boom where Abram camped, and the Bible says he built an altar where he camped. That's the difference between a great campsite and a lousy campsite is have you built an altar at whatever season that you happen to be in in your life, and is Jesus the center of your finances and the center of your world? Lot chose finances over family, and he eventually lost it all. Third thing I want to talk about is the fact that Lot chose the immediate over the eternal. Now, the Bible says, interestingly enough, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, two times says Lot's a righteous man. We're not beating up on Lot today. Lot, the Bible says, was a righteous man. But how many of you know even good people, Jesus-loving people, can get distracted? Even good people that started the race well can get sidetracked Sometimes it's a root of bitterness. Sometimes it's the love of money. Sometimes it's the pride of life. You let pride creep in. Before you know it, you're in a bad place. Good, Jesus-loving people can put their campsite in the wrong place and end up paying for it. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It just means you got off track. He is a man who absolutely lost his destination. He's looking at making some fat fat cash in the city of Sodom. And yet the Bible tells us the people are extremely wicked and they sin constantly. And I want you to see what happens. Here's the principle. What you dwell on, you end up dwelling in. Where did Lot pitch his tent? The Bible says in in chapter 13, verse 12, Lot lived near Sodom. Check this out. Lot set up his tent. When he opened up his tent every morning and he looked out, what's he gazing at? He's looking at the thing that he loves. He's looking at the potential. He's looking at the prosperity. In fact, the Bible says in Ezekiel that in in addition to the, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah being sexual perversion, the Bible says the other sins were they were incredibly blessed, they lived in luxury, they were lazy, and they were gluttonous. He opens up his tent every day. He's looking at the good life. He's looking looking at the American dream is what he's looking at. He's going, this is sweet. And I want you to see the progression. Chapter 13, verse 12, he pitches his tent near Sodom. Chapter 14, verse 12, he's bought a condo in Sodom. He's living in the city. Now check this out. This is righteous Lot. By chapter 19, verse 1, we find out he's an elected official in the city. Now let me ask you a question. How do you get to be a city official in a city that sins and is wicked nonstop? Let me tell you how you get to be a leader, how you get elected. You sell out. Let me just say, think of some of the urban areas today where wickedness abounds, and you look at who's leading them. 
You know who's leading them? People with the same values. Because listen, remember when Jesus was standing with Barabbas in front of the people? And, and Pilate said, who, do you, who are you voting for? You want me to release Jesus or Barabbas? What do they say? Give us the louse. Give us the killer. Give us the murder. We'll take Barabbas. Why did they vote for Barabbas? He was more like him. He represented them better. The reason Lot's in power is because by this time, he sold out. Where you set your camp up determines the direction of your life. Watch where you set camp up, because here's the sad part. You remember the story when God sent judgment on that wicked city. Lot ended up uh, losing it all. He literally, we talk about escaping by the skin of your teeth. That would describe Lot. Lost his wife, lost his family, lost everything, uh, because he set his tent up in the wrong place. Let me c- compare this very quickly in closing. I want to compare this with Abram and his, the happy camper inheritance. This is our inheritance. Okay, I'm calling it the happy camper's inheritance. Look at verse 14 with me. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, the north, the south, the east, the west. I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants. And I love this last part. This is a permanent possession for you. This was an everlasting inheritance. Notice Lot had to get out of the way. God wanted to talk to Abram alone. Lot was in the way. Lot gets out of the way. God starts talking again because it comes to a place of obedience. The promise that he gave him, he's repeating now. This is the second or third time he's repeating the promise. He says, I'm going to give you all this land. It all belongs to you. I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you so many descendants, the Bible says, that the dust, like the dust of the earth, they can't be counted. And then look at verse 17. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. Now, I love this. I tell people this all the time. When you're functioning, you have to function as a son or daughter of the Most High God. Who created this, this whole planet, the whole cosmos? God did. Um, Jesus Christ, the Son, redeemed it all. Amen. We're joint heirs with Christ, which means his inheritance is our inheritance. Which means when you're walking out there and you're walking up and down the neighborhood, possess it in your heart. It belongs to you. How does it belong to you, Pastor? Because it belongs to my dad who gave it to his son and I'm a joint heir with him, which means it's part of my inheritance. The whole cosmos is mine. And the good news is it's yours. It's ours. It's part of our family inheritance. Sometimes we need to get out of the tent. I mean, you know, the ceiling's not too high in the tent. You got to get out and you got to look up at the stars and you got to look out and take a walk and begin to realize, you know what? This planet belongs to Jesus. It's mine. We're going to inherit this someday. This is a gift from our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. What are you getting? A renewed heaven and a renewed earth where Jesus is going to reign as king. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be sinless. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be fun. Sometimes people don't associate heaven and fun. Some of you think heaven is going to be just like an eternity worship service where we just sing the same chorus over and over and over again. And you're like, this is not what I had in mind. No, that's because it's a lie. Those are the pictures the devil gives us. We're going to enjoy life together on this planet with our king in a most glorious state forever and ever and ever. This is your eternal possession. The Bible says we have an inheritance that moss can't eat, rust can't destroy, being kept in heaven for us. Now, I just got to drive this home to remind you. We're not getting there on the basis of our good works. Can anybody say amen? But listen to me. 
Your reward depends on how you live this life, where you set up camp, and how you keep your eyes on your destination. I like to say this. Jesus is not a communist. Let me say it in a language that we would understand better. Jesus is not a socialist. We don't all get a chicken in our pot and a four-by-four cubicle. That's not the way it's going to work. Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. You better absolutely know that the choices you make and how you choose to live your life directly impact your future state of eternity and rewards. Now listen, we're all going to heaven. It's going to be great. I'm not sure that anybody's getting a bad deal. You know what I'm talking about. But I am saying this. How you live matters. The choices you make matter. And there is reward, and it's in his hand. And there's going to be a time when uh, we're going to have an opportunity to see God dish out the reward for the way people have lived, for the way they've loved him, for the obedience of their lifestyle. This is important. Let me end with this in closing. Look at verse 18. This is so good. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron. Notice Lot pitches his his tent by Sodom. Abram moves his tent to Hebron, and he settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, And there, look what happens. There he built another altar to the Lord. Now, this is good. We're going through lots of of camping places in life. Sometimes if you're in a bad place right now, and you're like, man, Lord, how long do we have to stay here? Hang in there, because you're not there forever. How many know we're going from glory to glory, strength to strength? If you're in a rough season right now, don't quit. Build an altar. Worship the Lord. You know, Steve and Brittany, I just got to point you guys out. Some of you saw, you know, Brittany's post on Facebook. If you're Facebook friends, they've been going and they've had to walk in this season and set up their tent in a place that it doesn't look like glory and strength. It looks like the valley of the shadow of death and it's painful and it's hard and there's lots of tears. But you know what's awesome and the the thing that you have blessed so many people with is taking your pain, laying it before God, building an altar right there, and worshiping God in the midst of your pain, knowing that you're not staying here. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going somewhere. God is faithful. God is good. God is a restorer. And you're not staying there, so you worship the Lord in the midst of your pain. I love having Brother Rod come here because Brother Rod understands pain. He understands what it's like to worship through pain. When Katrina hit their brand new sanctuary that everybody sacrificed for, and imagine coming into the sanctuary, you're standing in waist-deep water. Everything's destroyed. All the hard work destroyed. All the money you spent gone. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. Build an altar to God. And Brother Rod stood there with his son in waist-deep water, and they lifted their arms, and they started worshiping Jesus. That's what you do. And because you know what? You're not camping there. You're moving on. And God will take you from glory to glory for people that build an altar. Or you can be like Lot 
And you can decide to go back to Egypt or you can put your tent looking at what you think is the solution or better ideas. Or you can let it all go and say, God, you gave it to us. You can take it away. It doesn't belong to me. I possess nothing and everything at the same time. I possess nothing materially, but I possess you. And with you, I have everything. So I, I have no lack. So God, I just thank you for where we're at right now. I praise you for where you're taking us, oh Lord. Listen. Sometimes you do it simply because you're going to nail the devil right back. I mean, I'm serious about this. Man, you're getting beat up. You're tired. You're frustrated. You're discouraged. Walking in water. What am I going to do? You can either throw a pity party or build a stinking altar. When you build an altar and you worship, check this out, you open up a portal in the heavenlies for the favor of God to be released on your life or else you can act like a pagan and have a pity party. Pagans with pity parties don't get out. Pagans with pity parties wallow in the same campsite forever. Or you say, you know what? God has the final say, not my sight. It doesn't matter what I feel like now. The name of this road is taking me to glory. I'm not staying here. I'm going to keep walking even though it's hard. That's what you do. And let me tell you something else. When the devil messes with your finances, and you're like, man, I made my I-54 pledge, and we're, we're, we got a decrease in salary. Fight back for God's sake. You're not, you're not giving it to the church. You're not giving it to me. That, that is the substance of your life. You're investing in something that's eternal. You take that, and I'm telling you how this works. I remember back in the 70s when we had gas lines in America. You couldn't get a, a minimum wage job in this country. And I'm going to a private university on a teacher's salary at the time. And let me just tell you this. It wasn't, the math wasn't adding up. And my dad and mom told me, you know, hey, there's a widow uh, at our church, and she needs a bunch of yard work done at her house. Can you go over there and just bless her? I said, sure. I didn't have a job. What else are you going to do? Here's what you do. You go invest in somebody else. You take what you do have. You know what I had at the time? Time. Time. So I went to her house, trimmed her shrubs, cut her grass, raked out all her flower beds, and she wanted to give me money. Well, check this out. This is how bad it was. I'm like, ma'am, the amount of money that you would bless me with would be great and generous on your part, but hear this. It doesn't come close to what we need. It's like a drop in the bucket. So please, will you let me just do this for you so I can bless you and punch the devil right in the face? Because this is a sacrificial act on my part to invest in you because I don't have nothing that I can give and what you could give me wouldn't, wouldn't do it. You know what started happening after that? I had a man at our church, newly, uh, newly, I would say newly married, young, young married, because they had a slew of little kids at the time. He was laid off. God spoke to him. He came up to me and this, this wasn't a lot of money. This was $50, I think, at the time. But $50 when you're raising a family with no job and no money coming in is like $50 million. And he was like a peer to me as far as age, a little bit older. And he said, I, God laid this on my heart. I want to sow into your life to help you get back to school. Now listen to me. 
Do you know that at the times when you are the lowest and you got the biggest need and somebody moved by the by faith, somebody who is an altar builder comes up in your life and says, let me invest in your life when you are the lowest. How many of you know that's what leaves a mark in your heart? You will never forget that person or that experience for the rest of your life. How about this? Why don't we leave some marks in people's lives? Because we're people that aren't looking at the waist-deep water that's rising. We're looking at what God's going to do to get us out of this mess. Because he's in the mess with us. It's his mess too. And he isn't going to leave us there. You know the Brother Rods, that church ended up getting completely rebuilt. It did not cost them a cent. Money came in from everywhere. And that sanctuary was, was finished. It wasn't even done when, they, when the disaster happened. That sanctuary was finished because somebody had enough guts to stand in a bad campsite and build an altar and worship God. Abraham had no altar, or, or Lot had no altar. Abraham had, a, had an altar. And I want you to see it. I'm closing with this. This is so good. Sometimes we look at the meanings of words in the Bible and we're like, why was he camping in Mamre by Hebron? Who cares? Well, here's why it's important. This is so good. The word Mamre means vision. And the word Hebron means communion. Abraham's walking again in the Lord's vision for him. He's walking in communion with God. He's worshiping the Lord. And how many of you know if you'll live a life of communion with God, worship of the Lord, You'll build an altar. Every time, you, every time God leads you to another campsite, build an altar. Man, when you're on the top of the mountain and, and you are rolling in blessing, you know what you do? Build an altar. Thank you, Lord. It all comes from you. God, we give you all the glory. When you're in the valley and you can't rub two nickels together, build an altar. Hallelujah. You know, Steve and Brittany, you're, you guys are literally worshiping your way into a whole new season. And I just got to say this, you know, your life group uh, did something amazing to you guys, surprised you totally. The life groups ended this last week. We're taking a little break. You guys didn't know anything about it. They got you all together, blessed you with a pendant with your son's name on it, with, with what that name means, the date on that, blessed you with that, blessed you with another sign to hang in your house. Uh, what was that? A, a, a joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Uh, just rallied around this precious couple in a time of need and helped raise their arms and keep their eyes on Jesus and, and continuing to love them through the valley. I mean, you know, this is what church is about. I don't know how people in the world live without the body of Christ. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I don't know how we function without someone to hold our arms up at times. I don't know how it's done. I just want to say I need all of you, and you need all of you. And if we can help each other build altars in the midst of our low times, and when we're finishing everything that God's called us to do, and we're like, whoa, that we also pause and we just say, Lord, we couldn't have done any of this without your blessing. Where would, where would we be without your blessing, God? Where would we be? So we're happy campers, man. We're, we're making, make sure we set our tent toward heaven. All of our decisions are eternal. We're not thinking about short-term gain. We're, all of our decisions, we're thinking about other people, not ourselves. We're thinking about the Lord, not me. And you know what? If you'll live that way, you'll inherit it all. If you live for yourself, hear me, you will lose it all. If you live for the Lord, you get it all. Choice is simple. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. Come on. Marriage class today at 4 o'clock, don't forget that. And uh, if you need prayer for anything in your life, please come up here. We'll have our 
elders here uh, ministering to you and our pastors. Uh, if you'll give me grace, I've got to go off to a memorial service uh, to minister this afternoon, so I've got to kind of slip out of here quickly. But, um, but I love you. I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for this contrast of lives. Abram and Lot, the one who got it all and the one who lost everything. Lord, help us to be mindful that our, our tents are constantly pitched toward heaven and heavenly realities, that our eyes are set on Jesus, that we're looking for eternal things, not short-term gain. And Lord, I ask you to bless us now. It, whatever, whatever place people are in in our congregation right now, Lord, may we all choose today to build an altar and to worship you and to thank you for what you're doing. Even if we can't see it, we're going to thank you for what you're doing. We give you glory and honor. Use us this week and bless us this week, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Love you all. Have a great week.